Okay, Tuesday morning, November 13, 2018. It's 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll tell you guys, I'm a little weary from last night. We stayed up here till uh, past 10. And, uh, I mean, everything all over the Internet is all about the election fraud. And it's funny that uh, I lived in Palm Beach County. I lived in Palm Beach County when we had the 2000 election and George Bush debacle. And I lived in Broward County. And I worked in Dade County. In fact, I worked in many of the counties of Florida, but uh, I was based out of Dade and uh, lived in Broward at the time. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. Everything down there is a little bit on the shady side. Lawsuits, hidden ballot boxes, ballot boxes being loaded in trucks and driven away, new new ballots found after the election's over, and they want to influence the elections. It's the same old hanging Chad voter recount that we saw in 2000. And I was a big Bush supporter in 2000. And then about three months later, I realized that Bush was a bum, and I never supported the guy again. But it is what it is, and we're moving on. And I think that everybody knows by now that all the elections are fixed. They're fake. Fake news. Fake elections. Fake government. Fake everything. All part and parcel of being trapped inside a Jew-occupied regime. Oh, uh, you, I think we talked about Boca Raton yesterday, and uh, in Florida we call it Boca. So, you know, Boca is a real heavily uh, Jewish-dominated county, and a lot of South Florida is. I mean, Miami Beach is loaded with Cubans that are Jewish. It, it you know, flat hats, long flat coats. Diamond sewn inside the whole nine yards. Yeah, and the, another thing that probably should be mentioned routinely is yes, your means, audio is really low, Rich. Okay, hang on here. How's that? No, no good. Okay. Well, I don't know. What to do here? Uh, yes, barely. I, got, I got it. Got it pumped up about as loud as I can get it. How about everybody else? No, exactly. Nothing's changed. Huh. Is anybody else on with us? Let's see if you bring one of them on in there. See what terrible looks like. Yeah. Nobody's in the queue. Nobody, nobody's wanting to talk yet. You guys out there in the text chat, uh, am I low? <laughs> am I low or high today? Maybe, maybe I get a cup of coffee down to help. <laughs> yeah, you still got no, almost zero audio. You're really, really quiet. Hmm. Let's see. That's better. That's better. Better, but not not good. And now all my echo is back. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, the people in the text chatter seem to be happy You're good with now. the sound. You're good yeah. now. I can hear you now. No, I just wanted to say, you know, we, we need to keep it on the top of our minds that all of this this stuff in the mainstream media uh, is more often than not is a smoke screen, screen for what's going on around the world, uh, the, the Jews are up to in uh, Crimea and Ukraine, and especially Syria, where uh, they... Uh, they want to they want to keep on bombing and uh, they can't because the Russians have have provided the Syrians with a uh, more advanced uh, missile defense system somebody shot a rocket into Israel uh, and apparently it bounced off a bus or something so now now they've got all their fighter planes up and they're 
they're bombing uh, Gaza, uh, seeing, seeing how much hell they can bring on down on top of the Palestinians. But that's a, that's the sort of thing that goes on all the time while we're distracted by hanging chads and and <laughs> these 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 other standard news stories. You know that the the elections are fixed. Of course, they're rigged. Everything is rigged uh, in, the, in the media. You know this even even this business with uh, uh, Trump and and uh, all immigrants and all that stuff that's going on. You know, it's it's what it's it's just. I think we're seeing the waning of the uh, communist face of the Jew, and the capitalist face is starting to make a comeback. Uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna, I think we're gonna ramp up a lot of. I, a lot of people are more and more, uh, from from what I can gather, you know, they're pretty pretty much convinced. Uh, well, you know, partially in America, you know, maybe you know a smaller percentage in America, but in in Europe, uh, they're all convinced we're we're going to war. We're we're going to have a a major world war. The Jew's going to get his his uh, dogs in the pit again. And uh, you know, here we go. More, more cannon father, more misery. Uh, gall gallant heroes being declared, and, and vile villains being declared. So, yeah, this uh, this voting business is, is uh, just. That it's the whole the whole country is just slowly but surely has has descended into this swamp or corp, corporate uh, reality uh, where wherein you know the we got the Silicon Valley billionaires who who are all uh, just absolutely convinced that being white is close to being a crime even though most of them are white. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's an upside down world, Father Francis. I yeah, had a uh, the whole thing. The whole thing is just a, a, an unraveling nightmare. This this is it's insane. Let's go back to paper ballots and poll watchers. Forget these machines. Too easily rigged. I had a had a guest here this weekend who's a he's a uh, commercial fisherman. Uh, he's he's crewed on on a boat and has has been been working in the industry now for about three years, and I got an opportunity to, to uh, talk to him a little bit about buying fish, and he said one one kind of a leg up that you can get if you want to if you want to buy fish in bulk and and get a a really good deal. Is of course you go you go down and you talk to the boat owners, and uh, every season, they uh, the big corporations they don't want to set a price, and the fishermen they don't want to go out and fish in, unless they know what they're going to get uh, in in the way of uh, you know a return on their investment. And that's a big investment to get a boat get a boat own a boat keep it up maintain it. Uh, you know, and then get a crew together, and then go out and go fishing. And so, they, every 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 season, you get this date or standoff between between the uh, big corporations and the boat owners on setting the price of fish. And uh, one one way, if you go down there and talk to the boat owners, you know, and, and uh, give them uh, assurances, you know, that you're going to buy the catch. Uh, you can get a hell of a deal. Uh, of course, you're, you're going to you're going to be buying, you know, upwards of maybe half a ton of fish at a time. But uh, the way the way they do it, uh, the well, there's the small boats have uh, they will um, buy a big giant box of ice, and what and they catch the fish and they'll. Put down a layer of ice and a layer of fish and a layer of ice and a layer of fish, and that that keeps it fresh, which is something you definitely want to determine. You know, if 
um, that that it is indeed uh, fresh before you pay for it. But uh, well, like I if you said, got, I, I know it, I know when they're fishing the Hudson Canyon and off off the coast of New Jersey and New York City, New York City, uh, they uh, they can come back with a one fish that's a thousand pounds, and they have a sensor that they can stick into the side of the fish and it tells the uh, the freshness of that fish. And they'll load that fish onto a plane and fly it to Tokyo, Japan, and it'll be uh, in the sushi market like, uh, you know, the same day that it was caught in New York City. Because, it, you know, you, when you're going west, you're gaining time, and it's, it's on some, somebody's eating it just a few hours after it's caught, or actually a few hours after it's brought back in. And Hudson Canyon is 70 miles offshore, so it's going to probably take two to three hours to get back from the Hudson Canyon into the into the Fulton Fish Market where it's sold and then loaded on another airplane and shipped out. And you're talking about one fish yeah. would be worth ten thousand dollars, maybe twenty thousand dollars. One fish, and there's a big fisherman out there. A lot of the fishermen there in the Hudson Canyon are moonies. They're from Sun, the Reverend Sun Young Moon. And Florida fishermen, they're all uh, Florida fishermen. They get different types of fish, but uh, you know, I would I would prefer to buy fish from Florida than uh, California or, or Northwest. I'm not really sure about the Fukushima thing. I've spoken with a nuclear uh, doctor of nuclear physics, and he assures me that what they're dumping into the Pacific is not a serious enough to contaminate the whole Pacific Ocean. It's basically a couple of big swimming pools of radioactive water that that they're releasing into the Pacific, and it's a it's such a it's not really a high concentration. That water by itself might be bad, but once you mix it in with the whole giant Pacific Ocean, it turns out to be almost nothing. So I I would it's not only that I like I, I worry about the uh, nuclear waste, but I also just like the kind of fish they catch in South Florida better than I do what they catch in the Northwest. Well, there's, I don't think there's uh, any state in the Union uh, more on, on top of, of the quality of the fish and the viability uh, than Alaska. And Alaska, Alaska is, they, they stay on top of that. They, they take fish samples uh, routinely during the season, and uh, they're tested for everything, uh, not just radiation. And uh, if there's there's anything uh, amiss, the Alaska Fish and Game is is gonna uh, pretty much obliged uh, to reveal that. And so far, uh, last last salmon season it just just concluded. Uh, you know they they had they had a hell of a good catch, and the fish were healthy, and so I I I don't know I I don't I don't think that uh, radiation you know is is anything more than just another uh, media tool you know to to keep the keep the people paranoid keep them scared. Uh, that's, just my personal opinion. Yeah, like and, I said, this is, this fellow knows about nuclear energy and lasers and you know a lot of high tech stuff. And uh, he's he's telling me that he wouldn't worry about it. But uh, you know, I would prefer to eat grouper over uh, salmon. But that's just my personal taste. So I like grouper and snapper and snook and. Dolphin fish, not the not the bottlenose dolphin mammal. I'm talking about a dolphin fish. Uh, I think you guys out there call it mahi mahi, and uh, I don't know if you catch that in California. Your, your water's too cold out that way. I think it's a warm water fish. Yeah. But it's a pelagic, so it, it travels all over the planet. You got to you got to get about uh, one to two hundred miles off the coast uh, to get into what they call blue water. And that, those those are the Japanese currents, and that's yeah that's that's where the the tuna and uh, and other 
uh, fish like that mahi mahi are. Yeah, yeah, and you think you have uh, dolphin fish off the coast of California? I, no, I caught a dolphin in uh, in Mexico, about a thirty pound fish. That was yeah, I, that was good. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the uh, Gulf or the the Blue Water Stream is real close in Mexico, down there around Baja, that area. And all along the Baja coast, there's a lot of commercial fishermen. And, uh, you know, they, they have boats that they can catch, like you say, thousands of pounds of fish and put it in a hole on ice. And one interesting story, we called it before in this, this show, I think, is that when I was out there, the uh, California Environmental Protection Agency had a guy come in with his, just as you explained it, a layer of ice, a layer of fish, a layer of ice. And after he offloaded the fish, he went back out and he dumped the ice. And there might have been some slimy stuff from fish and that kind of stuff in the water, but he got like a $50,000 fine for pollution. Well, he's only dumping water and fish, the remains of fish, or maybe fish poop or something like that, but it's all stuff that's in the water anyway. So they actually took away the, what would you call it, the power of the Environmental Protection Agency to directly find somebody and to keep the money. And they had to make, because they were, what they were doing, they was really didn't have anything to do. They didn't want to fire any of their workers. So they just fined people. And that's how they paid the salaries of the, the, the swollen uh, employee base of the DEA. Uh, not DEA, but the Environmental Protection EPA for the state of California. So after that point, uh, then any fines that were levied by any agency went to the general fund, and it was distributed by the state back to those units, and uh, so they lost their grip on it, which is good. Again, the deep state. Well, the, uh, yeah, that was back in 95, I would think, 1995. The, they're, you know, Thousands of uh, canneries uh, and and uh, fresh frozen facilities uh, in Alaska to process the fish as they're caught, and they for forever uh, they had uh, pipes that would go out uh, into the water and and pump like you say the the leftovers, the blood, the guts, uh, the uh, the heads uh, on the, and all that—they'd grind it up and pump it out, pump it out in, into the uh, water. But uh, it, over like a hundred hundred years, places like uh, Fairbanks, there's such a huge collection uh, laying laying on the bottom that that it will rot and uh, get these massive methane bubbles that'll come boiling up to the surface. And if the wind happens to be going inshore, then uh, everybody turns green uh, with, the, with the smell. But they have uh, tentatively outlawed that. The, the geary can, can no longer be uh, dumped uh, in the water and the ocean. And it, ha it has to be taken care of otherwise. Uh, a company that, that I work for up there, were among the first uh, on the Naknek uh, in the Naknek uh, Quijack area to set up a fish meal and fish oil uh, uh, facility that turned turned that stuff in into that uh, fish meal, I guess, for fertilizer and uh, fish oil for different different applications. A lot of it pharmaceutical. So yeah, the there there is. Uh, I guess you could call it something of a moral impetus to to outlaw, you know, dumping dumping that stuff anymore. But uh, yeah, well, I, the, I don't uh, see where where that could even be a problem. I mean, there's other fish in the water, and crabs. Those Alaskan crabs, they're going to eat all those fish guts and heads. I mean, that's that's a food supply. Yeah, I I I really I I don't know. I know, like I say, when the in places where they're, you know, uh, 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 a typical cannery during the season will uh, process upwards to one to two million 
pounds of fish a day, and uh, then the geary, uh, the, the the output uh, real is really high, you know. So you know they can all crabs can only eat so much, and other other organisms can eat so much. But I I I, I honestly uh, you have to really get into a uh, somebody who's who's uh, you know expert in that. But it's my understanding that that it does uh, the the excess of it, you know, uh, has a very negative impact on things. Well, again, you you got longliners out there and, and net fishermen. Uh, you got the same thing off the Florida coast and probably all the way up the east coast. And all the commercial fishermen that I knew, I didn't know anybody. It was a, a big commercial operation with a longline boat or or uh, you know, I didn't know any of those people. I knew people who just went out maybe in a 26-foot boat and would fish and catch what they could catch and come back in. They Typically, they had one dock that they all came in and landed at. At least they did in uh, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach. And, and people could go down and buy directly from the fishermen. Some of the fishermen would go into the restaurants and sell their catch to the restaurants. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there was any kind of a regulation we're testing the fish. Uh, I think people just could catch it and sell it. Pretty easy to tell when a fish is good or bad to eat. So, you know, and I've been, not only did I fish, but I used to dive, so I was in the water all the time. And typically in Florida, for the fish I caught, uh, you, were, you were reef fishing, bottom fishing, and that's where you catch your grouper and some of, some of the other fish that run on the reefs. And in Florida, let's say Delray Beach, Florida, that's the place where the Gulf Stream comes closest to shore. And the Gulf Stream off Delray is only about one mile out. And Blue Water is probably maybe a couple of miles out. And in Delray, it's at one mile out. When you're in the Gulf Stream, you're pretty much in Blue Water. So, so they... Florida fishing is different than... North northwestern fishing, certainly yeah. different than Alaskan fishing. And I actually was at a fish farm in uh, Vancouver Island in British Columbia, and saw how that operation worked. And that was pretty pretty clean operation. I didn't see that as any really problem. And they raised Atlantic salmon in the Pacific. So a lot of times when you're buying Atlantic salmon, it's coming from the Pacific. I don't buy any fish from. Indonesia or Vietnam or any place in the Orient, uh, it's, I just, the fish farms out there, from what I understand, are really, really bad. And the processing plants are not that clean. So I always look at the package and see where the fish came from. You can buy pre-cooked shrimp from two pounds of pre-cooked shrimp, so every, every morsel of what you're buying you can eat. Uh, they're, they're shelled and they're deveined and the heads are gone. And that's like uh, $11.99 for two pounds. And you can buy wild-caught Argentine shrimp that still have the shell on and they're not deveined yet. And that one there, you're paying $12.99 for two pounds and you lose, I would say, at least 30% of the weight in the shell and the, the deveining process. So I'll pay the higher price so I can get the Argentine wild caught shrimp. Good. Okay. Uh, yeah. You said you said you take you take the loss to get the uh, the Argentine shrimp rather than the uh, yeah, processed shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. My mother cannot eat shrimp that you buy in the store, but I I shrimp all the time. And we could catch in a night on an outgoing tide, a yeah, cold, windy night. That's usually your best time for some reason. And you just hang a light off the side of a bridge, and the light stays maybe about two feet above the water. And you got a long, you got a net with a long pole on it. Maybe it's 20 feet long, maybe 15 feet long. And as the shrimp come get pushed out with the tide, and they come into the where the light is, their eyes glow, a phosphorescent glow. And you just dip that net down and pick up that shrimp. Once you've got a half a dozen or a dozen shrimp in your net, then you pull it up and you pour it in the bucket. And then you keep on going. And you do that for a few hours. You'll get five gallons of shrimp and 
maybe on one outgoing tide. Hmm. And there's other ways to do it off the boat too. We can you you get a big uh, four foot by eight foot PVC frame with a giant net on it. Uh, it has floats on the top, so it stays about maybe a foot below the water, the surface of the water. And you drag it behind a boat, and as you drive it along, you'll pick up all kinds of stuff that's floating in the water, but a lot of it's going to be shrimp. At the end of the net, it's tied in a knot. The net's probably 20 feet long. And after you drag it around for about, I don't know, 15 minutes, half hour, you pull it back up to the boat, untie the knot, and dump the shrimp on the deck of the boat, and then push them into, put them into the bucket. And also you'll have soda bottles, ball caps, uh, algae, you know, all kinds of different things, seaweed and whatever's floating around in the water. We even caught a fishing pole one night. I don't know how that thing wound up getting up there. I guess the turbulence must have brought it up to the surface and it went into the net. So I've been involved in fishing on a smaller scale for many years, at least 10 years, I would say. There's there's an area in the Pacific where the all all of the currents kind of create a swirl, and for for thousands and thousands of years, uh, there there was a, a plankton bed that just kind of sat out there and swirled around and around. And uh, from what I understand, uh, plank, plankton is is one of the world's uh, greatest oxygen producers. And that uh, that plankton bed apparently uh, has been destroyed by pollution, by garbage that's that's floating around out. You were talking earlier about the catching garbage in the net. Then it's all it's all just all just swirling around out there, and they uh, there people are uh, looks like they're starting to take it more and more serious. Uh, try to clean that up. Uh, some um, mis miscreant belief that human beings need oxygen to live, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that uh, the pollution, you know, is I, I think pollution is uh, a, a big damn detriment uh, to our health. And it's uh, just a kind of, it's a byproduct, and then I. There again, I, I I think nature's natural law uh, is something that uh, we will never overcome. And any any time you get a infestation, be it human or otherwise, you know, too many too many consumers, uh, that's going to be a byproduct. Nature's going to produce things uh, of a toxic nature that, that's going to uh, st stress the herd, so to speak, and uh, try try to bring some balance back to it. The uh, you, you're talking about catching grouper now. My understanding that uh, a lot of those groupers, uh, the the big ones, are the breeders, and the, they're 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 dragging up the breeders. These these fish that they're sending to, to Japan. Uh, are are the the future generations of those fish, and uh, well, the, after the, after they kill, the one, kill off all the breeders, there's not going to be any left. Well, they the I say the the I say the tuna is the biggest fish that they're pulling out of the Hudson Canyon and sending to Japan, not grouper. And I don't think they have grouper in uh, in off the coast of New Jersey or New York. It's more of a warm water fish, so that's a Florida thing, an island thing. You know, anywhere you go in the Bahamas, Cuba, uh, Jamaica, you can, you're going to be able to catch grouper, but I, I don't think they have that in the Northwest or the North Atlantic either. I don't know. I never fished up there for grouper. I caught the ling and whitefish and that kind of stuff in New Jersey. Uh, you, you get a lot of halibut out there in California. Uh, and pro and tuna as well. So, you know, again, I I really didn't fish that much in California, even though I lived on a boat. I would just drag one line behind the boat as we were sailing south, and you're running mm -hmm. about five knots, which is maybe pushing six 
six miles an hour, and that's a good speed to troll for for all sorts of fish. And I have, like I said, I have caught uh, uh, mahi mahi in Mexico, but I'm pretty sure that was in the Sea of Cortez, not out in the ocean. I'm not exactly yeah. sure we caught that. Nice size fish, though. Well, we're we're all kind of aware that uh, things things with things like the Clintons uh, selling off. Uh, uh, natural resources, uh, you know, wholesale. To, it's like like when Hillary Clinton was secretary, when Secretary of State, she's running around. It was like America was having a closing out sale, and uh, the but that has been an ongoing thing for for a long, long time. In the fifties uh, and sixties, uh, uh, greedy politicians were selling fishing rights. And they they sold fishing rights in the uh, West Coast. You know, at one time the West Coast was just a, it was uh, thriving uh, with with sea life, and uh, uh, it was kind of kind of a, a self sustaining process. But once once they did that, then the the Orientals uh, came in with the uh, continuous these continuous net uh, trollers. And they succinctly drag everything everything up from the bottom to the top in a continuous process, and they just they just raped our our uh, you know our, our sea life. The, the 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 devastation is horrendous, and and uh, I, as far as I know, it's how much of that is still ongoing or not. And at one time, the American fishermen were uh, they were Taking their guns out there and shooting at them, they were the, these uh, Oriental uh, fishermen, and uh, there there was, you know, a couple couple kind of tense standoffs and that sort of thing. Didn't make the news that much, but the the upshot was that that they all but killed the the uh, fishing industry on the west coast. Uh, about about the only place you go out fishing now, uh, you, about the only place you can uh, be assured of coming home with a good catch is uh, fishing in the rocks and the reefs and places where the, the nets uh, can't go, where they don't work. Uh, other well, like other than said. that, you know, it's, it's, it's catch as can. It's uh, kind of pathetic, really. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like I said, in Florida, when you go offshore and you're in deep water, blue water, now you're looking, uh, they have a thing called a weed line. And all the weed from the Sargasso Sea is disturbed and torn up, and it comes floating in towards the Florida coast. And it'll be maybe 20 feet wide, and it'll run for miles. And the bait fish will lay up underneath that, that seaweed, and it's called the, everybody calls it the weed line. And then you fish along the edge of the weed line, and, you know, typically I would run six lines out. I would have two deep, two two free running that had no weight on it, and two of them that were, like, midway down. And then you'd pick up different fish depending on how deep you would fish. Like, Waho is down deep, and up top you're going to get dolphin, a lot of dolphin, a lot of tuna. And uh, if you catch one dolphin... The trick there is you, you get a bottle, like say a two-liter bottle with a cap on it, and you hang a piece of fishing line on there with some bait on it, and you throw, you throw the one fish you caught back in the water. And now he can't get away, but he makes a big disturbance, and all the other dolphin will come over to see what's going on, and then they'll, you get smaller, uh, smaller rods, you know, maybe 20-pound test line, and you pick up a bunch of like what you call schoolies, and schoolies maybe would weigh five to ten pounds, something like that. And you can catch a hundred fish in no time. So that's the kind of fish I'm used to doing. That's the kind of fishing I'm used to doing. You don't uh, you don't see the uh, text chat side of the, of the program here. Uh, kind of uh, Harry Mack. Harry Mack is, is apparently lives in Florida. And he says he thinks the Department of Agriculture uh, restricts buying fish directly from fishermen 
I didn't. I, I didn't know that, but it makes sense, I guess. Well, I know plenty of small fishermen with, you know, like I said, small boats, 20 foot, 20 foot, 26 foot boats. One guy would go out by himself and fish, and he'd bring his catch back and go sell it directly to the restaurants. And yeah. I don't even think Florida Department of Agriculture would even have any way of controlling that. There's just too many estuaries and inlets and places to come ashore that uh, I only have only been stopped by, you know, fish and game type people. Uh, Maybe two times. When you go lobster diving, there's a thing called mini season. You can go out. They, they haven't opened it up to commercial fishermen. Usually it's the last weekend in July. And you go out there and, and uh, you're allowed to take 24 lobster per boat. And then they really have a big presence at that point in time in searching, especially for too many lobster, undersized lobster, and that kind of thing. I got stopped one time. And they, were, they treated me pretty reasonably. Most of the time, they would wait at the dock, and when you came back in, it would be you'd be it'd be easy to catch you and release you, <laughs> and uh, they'd watch you clean the, your lobster, and uh, and and then you'd go on your way. But but there's ways to defeat those people, and and a lot of people do. There's a lot of uh, poachers out there to take too many and undersize. They they don't really care about obeying any kind of rules at all. Yeah. Well, we got a we we got some people coming in here, Jay and Daryl, and there was an anonymous that I'm sorry, anonymous. I there's there's about five anonymouses. So uh, after I clicked on you in the queue, I lost you on the list. So okay, he's back. Let me let me get Jay unmuted here. And Daryl, good morning, Storm. Jay's a Florida boy. He knows about the. He's a Jersey boy and a Florida boy, just like me. Hey, I just heard something interesting about New Jersey last night. Do you know they have a law on the books that if there is ever a smart gun created, uh, no other guns will be allowed to be sold in New Jersey? What is a smart gun? Uh, Colt had one that they tried to do in the 80s where you would wear a ring that had a a decoder in it, and the gun had a chip, and the gun would only fire for the user of that gun that you had to have there. And the people flipped out. That was in the, like, 98. They were talking about that. And I guess there's three states, New Jersey, I don't know the other two states, but two other states have. And, of course, Wild they regulate Wildcats, Wild Massachusetts, and Illinois. Yeah, probably, yeah. And... You know, uh, Mike Parsons, the uh, American political prisoner that is a sovereign, he's calling for the 68 Gun Control Act. He's saying that these representatives that are voted out, uh, the, uh, the Democrats uh, are coming in. They could do this before uh, the end of their term and uh, because it's unconstitutional. And then I wanted to bring up this chick in... Uh, Arizona that Project Veritas did a video on that's very corrupt. Uh, she's won the election on a on a on a recount. Uh, so the uh, criminal Democrat, you know, and Dr. Hill Friday was talking about these recounts in Florida. Uh, I think the people are going to be pretty mad when they get ripped off. Yeah, you're pretty mad, but really, it's hard to do anything about it. You know, I got to say, Daryl, I, I, I looked at some of that Lone Star 1776 stuff. That's a really good website. That's high-quality video. I mean, that, that was a good site. The Year of Jubilee. Well, uh, Robert Jubilee. was asking about... I, Robert I was asking... Uh, in the back room by that, uh, where the window is, where you can look out at the birds. Say again? What, what about back window? I think he's off mute. Uh you know, uh, Rudy, I talked to him last night, and he just, you know, all he can really do is upload the channels or upload the phone calls and ask people to help. So, And I let him know via message last night that he's in my prayers, and I know that, that he is not a legal guy. Patrick brought that up yesterday. Rudy is not speaking to the legal side. Uh, he is speaking to uh, compassion for the injustice that's been done to these guys. And so if anyone wants to write any of those guys a letter, you know, yes, Veterans Day, there's Charles Dyer that's on there. He, he started, he basically started the Tea Party. He had a state charge, 
and the FBI was at all three of his trials to railroad him. A lot of, he was railroaded by the government uh, because he was a, a Marine, and he did these videos called, I'm sure you've seen them, it's, I can't, it's Fourth of July Patriot. If you go to YouTube, his videos are still up, Fourth of July Patriot, and he's wearing like a skull mask, which I don't agree with, but he's wearing a skull mask because he had to hide his face because he was still an active Marine. And when you're an active military, you can't speak out against the government. So he had his face hidden, and his YouTube handle was Fourth uh, of July Patriot. And he inspired a lot of people to start the Tea Party, which we know has been corrupted. But Charles Dyer had a state charge. He has a terrible story. Uh, you know, and Rudy wouldn't advocate him if he thought that he raped his daughter. That's what he's accused of doing. And, and it's lies. You can read Operation Floodlight. You could use your own discernment about these prisoners. But he, he is a veteran that if you read his story and believed he's innocent, write him a letter. He shouldn't be left behind. Uh, Richard Taus in New York, he, is a, he flew Chinooks, which I just saw I think Chinooks are still one of the fastest troop transports out there. And uh, he, he was an FBI agent and... Uh, they said he molested uh, a whole soccer team that his son was on and that people tried to say he adopted a Vietnamese son so he could molest him. Well, guess what? The Vietnamese son has grown up and helped him write several books and proclaims his father is innocent. He was thrown under the jail for being a whistleblower, and he's been in prison 30 years. So, And many of the people that have advocated for all these political prisoners have died, like Officer Jack McLam. Officer Jack McLam considered himself a peace officer. We need peace officers because there's a bunch of pricks that are going to hunt all the deer and not let them get big, and they're going to kill the baby ones. I lived in Montana once, and this guy, I was a young guy, didn't say anything. I'm not a cop caller, but he, I come home where we lived, and this guy was down the road, and he was friends with my wife's uncle, and he threw something in the back of the truck. I was like, oh, what is that? And he had killed two baby deer. He killed the two baby deer and he's taking them to the restaurant in town, and he's going to sell them to the guy in the restaurant, and, you know, he's going to sell the baby deer because people like to eat baby deer, you know. Uh, and so there's, we need peacekeepers for that, but we don't need enforcers that go around and sit and wait for people to do something and, and uh, you know, a guy that wants to catch a little bit of fish and sell it to a restaurant, you know, that's, you know, not the, not the breeders like you guys were talking about. And then, you know, I know... I've seen reports that there is plastic. Years ago, I saw an article in a Smithsonian magazine about plastic chairs, and there was pictures from all over the world on beaches and dumps, and there's plastic chairs, these plastic deck chairs. They're like everywhere in the world garbage. And then there's like these these PFCs or P, I don't know what they are, but they're in the water. It don't matter where you go, and they test the ocean water. It's got plastic in it. And that's from us. Thank you, thank you, people. You know, and also it, it causes a bunch of issues with our health as well. You know, and and uh, this guy, 68 gun control. It's funny that that uh, Mike Parsons brought that up on his phone call. That because Patrick had mentioned it yesterday. Oh, that's and, yeah, I love a potato in a fire. Who's that now coming in? <laughs> yeah, and I keep meaning to make, to do something with them. Oh, this is Jay now. Oh, hey, can you guys hear me? I think I can yeah. hear you, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to comment on uh, the, the Chinese fishing in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, you know, they're, they're really raping that Pacific Ocean. Uh, they're, they're cleaning it out. The Chinese are, like, building, constantly building fleets of uh, fishing boats that just go out there and, and, and take everything. And it's not going to be long before the whole ecosystem of fishes uh, in, in the Pacific Ocean is just going to completely collapse, and it's just going to be like a, a desert out there in, in the ocean. It's just really sad what's going on, uh, the overfishing that's being done. And it's the Chinese. You know, they've got the such a huge population. Uh, it's, you know, we they really feed the feces to the, to the fish farms. From pig yeah. farms, human farms, they feed all that to the fish farms because the 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 fish, the the bottom, the catfish, the I don't know what other bunch of the the bunch of the fish will eat feces. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, 
In, in fact, uh, like I think in, in Africa, I've, I've watched uh, videos of like, a, for instance, a, a hippopotamus uh, defecating in the water and uh, the cichlids, are, or there's like a school of cichlid fish like behind, like just e eating it all right up. Yeah, yeah, because that's what happens. It's like well, that's nature, but life. it's not meant to be done on a mass scale to feed the human beings. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I mean, in, yeah, in Florida, made, I, you know, like a, pretty much an imbalance. But uh, when they have like the particularly the shrimp farms that that they have in Vietnam and stuff, they'll they'll have a a, a fish farm right next to a pig farm, so they get rid of all yeah. the pig pig waste and feed it to the shrimp. Exactly. That's why, I, I mean, Paul Fromm did a, a series of articles about videos that he took in Vietnam and then Southeast Asia, and they're all filthy, nasty places. I wouldn't eat any, anything from there. And Malaysia, I understand, has the most, their reef system, they have tons and tons of fish and all kinds of varied breeds of fish that you don't see anywhere else in the world. Well, we really have a, a big problem out there in the Pacific. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna lose uh, a whole a whole the biggest ocean in the world uh, if if we continue to allow the Chinese to fish like that. And I guess there's really nothing we can do about it. No, really not. Or you can, might send people like Greenpeace out there that'll that'll try and destroy a. Oh, well, there's people on rents. There's there's uh, the one guy on rents that's the diver up there from Washington, Dana, and he said they they're saying the Pacific's dead from Fukushima. That uh, uh, that that's killed off the Alaskan uh, fishing, and I mean I'm not I I don't know. And there's people that say that these California fires. This Kevin Blanche guy who says that these California fires are are from the uh, the fallout, the radiation has killed all these trees and a lot of plant life, and that's what's causing a lot of these fires. Now, a lot could be set, but a lot of trees are, are, are dead. And uh, a lot well, of videos out there. in a big drought right now, and, and one of the big problems is all these illegal aliens that have, uh, you know, camps out there in national forests, and their, their campfires are, are starting big forest fires. Well, there's also, I remember when I was out there living in California, that they, they don't let people go in and take out the underbrush to use for firewood. And so the fallen streetland, so what they've done is they created a, a massive tinderbox by not letting people go in there and taking out the, you know, twigs and, you know, maybe two-inch diameter limbs that fell down. They've created a tinderbox that is easily lit on fire, and that burns up all the big trees. Yeah, and you know, I, I just uh, saw something on. Uh, I got an email this morning uh, that kind of surprised me. You know, uh, the United States is uh, twenty trillion dollars in debt right now, and uh, twenty-one. All right, <laughs> and the, the interest on that, paying the interest, will cost more than the the cost of Medicaid in twenty twenty. And more than the national defense in 2023. So uh, yep. this this country's uh, going down. And, and this this immigrant invasion, this is going to make it or break it right now. This this is the line in the sand. This is the and biggest. And of course, as soon as uh, the United States goes bankrupt, uh, a lot of these uh, illegal aliens are going to run right back to their. Uh, home countries when they don't have any more free handouts. About those well, we, fires up in California, the Trump uh, basically said that uh, the state of California, it's your own damn fault that you're burning like that. And exactly. uh, he's right. He's right. He's correct because the uh, federal government gives the states billions of dollars uh, for their uh, departments of forestry and whatnot uh, to take care of that, to uh, cut fire breaks, uh, pull out the pull out the dead dead wood, uh, and uh, used used to be 
uh, you could go get a permit and, and go out into the forest and uh, you know fill your truck up with firewood uh, and uh, you can't you ever do, can't you do ever do you ever do that or deal with these people I've done that and dealt with these people I used to live in Montana and you go to the Forest Service to get a wood cutting permit or a Christmas tree permit they are the biggest pricks ever that you you'll you'll ask them you'll you'll say how much is the permit and then uh, the point is the states, the, the liberals are using, uh, they, want, they want to save the, save the woods for the little forest creatures, and they, they don't want people out there meistering the forest. Well, I, I know, and they and do the same they're, thing. They're just keeping, they're keeping the money, they're putting the money in their pockets, and they're, they're using this environmental shit, uh, you know, t as, as an excuse. The, and and that's true. And I, and I, 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 when I heard Trump say that, or when I heard that Trump had said that, I thought, you know, right on. But but there was no follow through. There was no explanation of why he said it and how right he actually was in, in saying what I'm, he did. I'm sure my little story is the same as everyone else. I bought the twenty dollar permit to cut a tree. I asked the guy, where do I cut the? Where should I go cut the tree? Oh, anywhere right here. And he shows me a map of about. 500 miles, and I'm like, well, could you tell me where I should go? And they want you to cut them out of the encroachment. That's where they're growing out of the forest in the pastures, in the fields. And he, he wouldn't tell me where to go. Now, it's surprising when I heard all the stuff that happened in Nevada with the Bureau of Land Management because I go over to the Bureau of Land Management and buy a permit, super nice, and the guy works with me as a, as a, a citizen, citizen slave that he has, he's required to work with me. I said, where do we go? He said, oh, just go right up this road. It's out of town a ways. And, or you could drive over here. It's another 20 miles. The, the, the Forest Service prick is going to send me uh, miles. He don't care how much fuel it takes. You know, they send Rudy's letters back because the paper's not white enough. Uh, you can't send them colored paper, they'll refuse it. You know, I, I filed legal papers before, and they said the legal papers aren't filed on recycled paper. So I had to get recycled paper, file the paperwork on recycled paperwork, which is against the law for them to refuse my paperwork anyway. But how much paper did I waste, them at not accepting my, they could say, next time we would like you to, to present this on recycled paper. Instead, they make me trash it and submit it again all their bureaucratic rules are bullshit to bust our balls, and it ain't saving nothing except keeping bureaucrats their jobs. Yeah, yep, I'd like to right. chime in hey. for a moment, if I could, please. Yeah, There's go ahead. Just, go ahead. Thank you. Hey, Father Francis. Hi, Daryl. Um, Hello. I, live in, I was born and raised in California, and we moved to the Pacific. Well, we moved to Oregon. Uh, we've lived in the Pacific Northwest all my life, and I've seen the changes. And. Uh, we're actually taking in my wife's uh, mother and father uh, who are moving up uh, to live with us until they can rebuild because their house burned down uh, in wow. the Paradise Fire. And so did my, uh, my sister-in-law's house. They're both burned to the ground. I also have another friend who has, a, has an office up there in Paradise and also a uh, house in Miguelia, which is just above Paradise. They were burned to the ground. Uh, uh, they think the house is burned down. I think the office is still standing. And, and he's, he's stuck up in a, in a cabin at Bucks Lake that's only on solar power. power. So, uh, yeah, I, I can tell you firsthand what, what, this, what this is like. I was just down in Paradise probably about uh, uh, four weeks ago when I went down to go visit my brother in California. But it's crazy out here. And, uh, uh, you know, my son and I, we were burning yesterday on our property, and we, uh, we had a huge burn pile before. We, we take all the underbrush out of the way because it is a problem. And, and if you let all that fuel burn, uh, 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 accumulate, uh, it really becomes a, a tinderbox uh, for something to start. But I'll tell you who I think started the fire. Uh, I have uh, a strong suspicion that this fire was started in Polga, which is just uh, uh, east of Paradise, by PG&E. And I'll tell you why. I, we were in, uh, as we were coming uh, uh, to the main road that takes you up to Paradise, it's called Skyway, and it, it goes from Chico to Paradise. As you drive up there, I saw 
tons and tons of, uh, of trucks, and it looked like a staging area for a fire. Uh, uh, all the big fires have been having, they have staging areas where they, they keep the people in. And I said, what, what the hell's going on over here? And they told me uh, that the uh, people there were actually there to uh, work, they were PG&E uh, workers, and they were there to cut down all the trees underneath the power lines. And I said, well, that's crazy. I mean, I'm looking at some of these trees that are older than my great-grandfather's uh, grandfather, you know, and, and they're under these power lines. They're going to cut them all down. And, and so uh, what, what I said is, why don't they save, save the trees and, and cut these lines and put them underground and get up with the 21st century? But no, they're, 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 they're there to cut down all the trees. Well, when, when, the, when the fire started at 6.30 in the morning when it was reported in Polga, there was a transmission that there had been like some wire slap or something uh, that, that had happened over uh, by the PG&E crew. And then the fire just hit all the tinder and with the nice winds from the east blowing towards, towards the city, it just decimated paradise. And, you know, Southern California is another issue. It's, it's a desert out there, and you get all the rich people with their, you know, fancy homes, but they, they, they have no water. They have to import water in there. I mean, they're close to the ocean, but they don't have desalinization, so they have to bring water from, like, Colorado to keep that sure. place green. Oh, all right, you continue. But me and you, they would say we couldn't cut this time of year that there's a fire danger, but yet yeah. they're going to let a corporation go in there and yeah. cut and, and and cause, you know, they they would throw you or me if we were up there cutting firewood and our saw set off sparks. Uh, they, you know, they'd throw us under the prison. But yet yeah, this corporation, it'll be lucky. Case in point, a neighbor of mine down down the road, just before si- uh, fire season was was uh, lifted, had decided to burn uh, a pile that he'd been saving all summer long, and and it was right out there on on his front property. And I, I said to my son, you know, well, I, I can't wait till we can, you know, burn our pile, but I know it's not right now. It's too dry. It hadn't rained yet. And I smelled smoke. And then five minutes later, I started hearing sirens. There was like four fire trucks and uh, equal amount of water trucks and uh, paramedics. And then uh, we went to go investigate where the fire was because, you know, it makes you a little nervous when you've got a fire in your neighborhood and you've, you've got a lot of evergreens around you. So I, we went up there <laughs> as we were leaving uh, to see that this guy was getting spanked severely by, by the law. Uh, the highway patrol was, or state patrol was coming up the road, and I thought, okay, all right, let's get out of here because <laughs> he's, he's going to get nailed for this because he just decided to have this little nice burn pile in his front of his property, get, get rid of it, and he didn't check the, uh, the authority, with the authorities that it was okay to burn yet. The king. Yeah, he didn't I, check with the king. It's the king's woods. It's the king's yeah, well, day. And it, it, it also is, is it's, it's best you don't burn at certain times because it really was dry out here. But well, now, you look at what they did to the Hammonds in Nevada. Do you know the Hammonds? The, the, yeah. The, what yeah. the Oregon State, they burned a little bit of Bureau of Land Management's land, and, and they wanted to steal their land. And, and uh, you know, of course the guy, but that's where neighbors and community come in and, and say, hey, we'll come up and, and we'll help you do fire protection. You know, a hundred years ago when you had a coyote around, all the neighbors came around, all the men circled the property line, and everyone kept going, working in, working in, working in, until we cornered the coyote, and then we killed them, and we worked together as a team. And the guy could say, hey, next week i got a burn pile I need to burn. You guys mind to come up and have some uh, fire tools and, and back me up, and, and you make a plan. But we can't rely on anyone we we're all on our own we're all our own show you have a son you're lucky i have ones that are grown but they're in the economic slavery they can't help me out and we we have no sense of community anymore instead we got the state patrol which is a federal pig that comes up there and you know i'm sure the guy got a huge fine and and uh, his life will be made miserable and it'll cost him no, uh, I, think, I think his marriage is on the rocks after having that situation too yeah I'm sure someone made a decision, and, and they're like, I told you not to do that. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know the guy. He just lives close enough away that I could walk down the street to his place in about an hour or so. So anyway, uh, great show, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me contribute. But uh, I always listen, and, and I hardly 
hardly talk. I don't like to say anything unless I have something intelligent to say. Well, you know, I've heard that the PG&E was responsible for that fire. There's something wrong with that power line in that, with that area. And I well, it didn't really get into any specifics, but it, it, it sounds reasonable. Yeah, it's ironic. It, it's, it's ironic, Father Francis. It, it, the, the thing is, is they were there to cut down the trees so that the trees wouldn't start a fire under these power lines. And then mm-hmm. I believe they're the ones who started the fire. And it's like yep. there's, there's probably 40 people dead now that, that, that uh, last I looked. I, I've been watching the Chico News on, on my little iPad, and I can, I can see what, what's going on down there. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's the worst fire in, in the nation's history now. I, I, and, and just recently this year, earlier this year, it was a car fire. And uh, there was a few other fires I can't think of right now. Uh, one I went by when I, I, I went trailering down, down uh, the Oregon coast to California to uh, meet some uh, relatives from Europe. We, were, we went down that way, and we went by the big fire that was just on the Oregon border, uh, like an hour inland from Brookings on, on the coast. And it was horrible. It was. It's just it, the whole the whole state's been burning, and, and and then these people, these officials, tell you it's a new normal. I'm like, what? Don't don't tell me this is normal. This is not. This is not good. This is not something we should allow to have happen. I mean, there's trees that are much older than I am, and you know, I I'm in my fifties, but whatever. The point is, is that these trees are just going to be gone, and it's just desolate. I mean, when I go over to Bend from where I live. It used to be all these beautiful trees out there, and a lot of them are just like burnt toothpicks now because some guy protested when when Reagan flew over in his plane, I think it was Reagan, and uh, and wanted to start a forest fire because Reagan had put some like uh, kibosh on 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 logging or, or no no he he wanted the log and this guy says I don't want you to log, and this tree hugger guy burned all the forest down. So it's every time you go over near this hoodoo ski area on the way over to Bend, you see all these dead trees, and it's like some, some tree hugger did this. It's crazy. Well, in Florida now, when you had forest, uh, you know, wildfires in Florida, it actually benefited the, uh, the woods because it wouldn't burn up the palmettos or the cabbage palms. It would only burn up the, the you know, the more right. uh, easily set on fire grasses and stuff like that, and then it would actually benefit the forest. We had some really bad forest fires in Florida. Geez, I forget how long back that was. It was a while ago, and uh, at least ten years ago. But yeah, it actually I, I, helped. I, I went mean, to Yellowstone. Northern... Go ahead. Oh, I went no, to Yellowstone. I... I went to Yellowstone as a kid, and I saw all the trees. And then when they had the big fire back in the '80s, I went back mm, probably about four years ago. And, and I could see the, the, the forest coming back, and they said that this burn was actually good for the bears. Uh, the bears like the habitat after it, it's burned down. But, I mean, you lose some magnificent trees that, you know, won't come back. A tree that size won't come back for several lifetimes. And that's just a sad point about it. I see we're coming up on the hour. I don't want to encroach on, on uh, Don Black, but uh, thanks for letting me contribute. Well, thanks for that eyewitness report. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Rich. Hey, when when I unmute you guys, do you do you get a little reminder, or does something comes through to let you know that I I have unmuted? No, you? no. Yes, sometimes I do, not all the time. Hey, all you, right. You, you have, yeah. Actually, it does say you have been unmuted. I'm sorry. It does say you've been unmuted. Okay, just checking. Yeah, Jay's still here. Hey, Jay, you got anything on how the the French idiot is getting his ass bit on the nationalism speech? Sure, Don Black will be talking about that. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm sort of uh, out of communication. I don't have any TV, so I don't I don't really. The only my only news, I guess, really is from Stormfront and you guys. Hey, it's really awesome, and I'll fill you in. It's really awesome. Micron, uh, Dr. Duke was talking about it yesterday. Micron gave that speech attacking nationalism, and I mean it has really stirred the right. The people are like uh, on Fox. There was three or four commentators that spoke about it, that uh, we helped France, uh, nationalism. Look it up in the dictionary. It's the love of your country. 
that speech is really showing their true colors to their people. And, and uh, Merkel as well. Mer Merkel talked crap about nationalism. And I had said yesterday, I've been to the World War One Museum in Kansas City. It's really cool. You go in there, though, the first freaking thing they do is they have a little video for you to watch, and it says, World War One was caused because of nationalism. It was not. Uh, Dr. Duke and uh, Mr. Hitchcock from uh, Eurofolk Radio, uh, they, they, uh, they were talking about it yesterday. It absolutely was uh, caused by the bankers and internationalism. That's it. It was caused by internationalism. It was not caused by nationalism. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, and Dr. Duke and Don Black uh, definitely g gave a, a good presentation on it yesterday. All right, well, we're encroaching on Don Black's time right now, so let's uh, pack it up for today. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do another uh, evening show tonight, I guess. And tomorrow evening, I'm not sure of the time, but that's going to be one of our first pilot uh, conference calls that, uh, that address specific areas and the things that we need to do.